Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. This week is all about putting your team first. Of all the things I've talked about on this podcast, this might be the one thing that separates great managers from really rockstar managers, and in a little bit, you'll hear why. But before we jump in, a warm welcome to Joey J.H. and Belinda M. to the Modern Manager community. If you haven't yet made it over, now is the perfect time to join the community on Patreon. The September group coaching slash Q&A call is coming up on Thursday, September 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern. And if you're a member at the $20 or higher level, you can join this call live and we'll actually chat about your specific challenges. And if you can't make the call, no worries. You can send your questions in advance and I will respond to them and then share the recording afterwards. So head on over to patreon.com slash modern manager. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash modern manager to join today. And the link, of course, is in the show notes. And now on to the good stuff. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. I opened this episode saying that this might be the one thing that really separates great from rockstar managers. And I said that because almost everything else you do as a manager can be influenced or framed by having this mentality of putting your team first. How much autonomy you provide, whether you invest in people's growth, whether you take those extra steps to really build a culture of respect and give gratitude. When you put your team first, these things become easier and more automatic, almost instinctual. So what does it mean to put your team first? Well, a lot of things, but let's start with how you adapt to what each of your team members need to be their best self. Likely, each person on your team needs something different from you. If your management style is kind of one size fits all, or if you've previously functioned with the mentality that you're the boss, so it's your team member's job to figure out how you like things and how to kind of best work with you, now is the time to say goodbye to that mindset. Some people on your team need to be inspired, and some need lots of details, and some need due dates and check-ins to keep them on track, and some need to be let loose. Everyone needs something different. And rockstar managers figure out how to cultivate and work with each of their team members in the way that's best suited to that individual, not forcing it the other way around and making each person figure out how to work best with you. You might be familiar with this concept because some have called it servant leadership. It was coined by Robert K. Greenleaf in The Servant as Leader, an essay that he first published in 1970. He says, and I quote, A servant leader focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of people and the communities to which they belong, while traditional leadership generally involves the accumulation and exercise of power by one at, quote, the top of the pyramid. Servant leadership is different. The servant leader shares power, puts the needs of others first, and helps people develop and perform as highly as possible, end quote. I love this concept. I've also heard it referred to as penguin leadership because penguins tend to lead from the back. And I like the idea that when you lead from behind, the first thing that you see is your team. Just as important as looking out where you're headed, 
is looking at your team and ensuring that they are working most effectively together and as individuals to get you where you're headed. With this approach, your job as a manager goes from being a conductor where you've been instructing people on what to do, when to do it, and how to do it in order to get that perfect performance into a coach, which is really about helping each person develop the right skills, making some people practice shots while others run sprints, and cheering them on with motivational speeches, and sometimes being strict and holding them accountable in ways that might be uncomfortable. Now, this isn't easy, and I'm not pretending that it is. Trying to understand what each person needs and adapt your style and go against your natural inclinations around management is hard. We're talking about real behavior change, but it's worth it because when you figure out how to tap into the style and the needs of each of your colleagues and each of your team members, you can elevate each person's work individually and the team's work collectively. And it might be hard for you. It might be a stretch and it might take some time before you hit that groove and that rhythm with each person, but it is worth the growth and the investment on your end to elevate how you manage to meet the needs of each person on the team. Here's a quick example. A while ago, I worked with someone and I would regularly grab her in the morning and do a brain dump of everything on my mind that I wanted her to know and to take care of for the day. This was the approach that was easiest and fastest for me. But I realized after a while that she sometimes got things wrong that I had told her or missed some information. And when we talked about it, I figured out that it was actually hard for her to keep up with my brain dump. Sometimes I would give her action items and sometimes they were more FYIs. And I didn't always communicate in a logical order. So sometimes I would jump around and say, oh yeah, and also on that first thing I mentioned, you need to know this, which made it really hard for her to keep up and to track everything accurately. So instead, I started making a list and I'd hand her over the list and we'd still spend a minute or two going over it and I would add some additional context or details as I thought needed. But now she had the important information in front of her. Yes, it took me an extra few minutes to write it out, which I didn't always love doing, but it made her so much better at getting the requests that I had completed accurately and on time without dropping balls and missing things. This was a situation where rather than seeing the challenges and the problems she was having as an issue with her performance, I had an opportunity to reframe it for myself as something I could do differently that would better set her up for success. Okay, the next thing that a rockstar manager does who's really putting the team first is remove roadblocks and shield the team and really fight for the team. Now, it's different in terms of whether you work in a large organization or a small organization, and we'll talk about each of those here. But to start, if you work in a big organization, the bureaucracy can be suffocating, and your job is to clear the path, keep things moving up above, and keep away unnecessary stressors from the top that could negatively impact your team. You are there to make your team's work as easy and fluid and seamless as possible. When they run into trouble with people from a different department or a senior staff member is causing some challenges for some reason, you're there to help make things run more smoothly again. So here's an example. One team I was working with had a member who was a shared resource, meaning that she spent about 20% of her time on a project outside of her main work. At first, this was working really well, but the team lead from the secondary project saw her amazing work 
and kept giving her more and more. She tried mentioning to this team leader that she was only supposed to give 20% to this team, but the manager brushed her off saying, oh, it wasn't that much work she was asking of her and this really wasn't such a big deal. But after a few weeks, it was becoming an issue. And so she finally went to her normal boss and explained the situation. He immediately went to the other team leader to talk about appropriate workloads and boundaries and use of this person as a resource. Now, it was not an easy conversation, but it set everyone's expectations going forward and helped to resolve the situation. So in this case, the manager said, I need to make sure that my team member is being treated fairly and getting the right work done. And if she's telling me that she's tracking her time and this other team is taking up too much, I need to go and help make this right. It's not on her to fix it. It's on me to help smooth that out, team leader to team leader. This is what great bosses do. They tackle the challenges. They deal with the challenging people. They keep asking about a decision from higher up if it's slowing down the process. They fight for their team to make sure that their team members and the team as a whole can do their best work. This also means securing the resources that your team needs. Sometimes you're going to have to advocate and fight for your team to get an additional person, access to software, additional budget to run something. That's your job, even when it's hard to step up and say, in order for us to achieve the goals and the mandate that we've received from this organization, we need these resources. No one else is going to fight for your team. It's wonderful if you have a manager for yourself who is fighting for your team, but you also need to fight for your team. It's a little different if you're in a small organization, because if you're on the senior team, you may know a whole lot of stuff that's going on, some of which may not always be positive. And you need to hold on to that information, even if it's not confidential, so that your team can stay focused. There is no need to tell your team that you're worried about securing the next client or you're frustrated with the consultant that you hired or you're disappointed by the PR you received after the last big project, unless it's relevant to their work. On occasion, transparency about these kinds of things makes a lot of sense, but many times they just create ambiguity or complexity or anxiety in your team members, which doesn't help anyone. So be really thoughtful about the kinds of information and the kinds of emotions that you show to your team. You need to protect them to some extent. You need to shield them from this kind of information that isn't going to help them do their work better. And in fact, it may actually cause challenges. So think about the times where you need to step up, even when it's uncomfortable, even if it means you're going to spend some of your social capital to push something through, even though you may need to work harder or longer And even though you might have to put on that happy face when you're not really feeling it. Next up is to prioritize the person and their ability over your convenience. To really be their coach. There are times where a team member will come to you looking for help or looking for you to outright solve their challenge. Now, there's a management concept called passing the monkey where other people are always trying to get monkeys off of their backs and onto yours instead. So when someone comes to you with that kind of problem, in some cases, yes, you could just give them the proper answer or do the work for them, which might be easier or faster, but it doesn't serve you or them or the team in the long run. Rockstar managers act like coaches and advisors. They don't take on all the work. They don't take on the monkey and all the stress that comes with it. 
but rather they spend time with their team member in that supportive role, kind of coaching through problem solving or planning or enhancing the ideas that the other person has. So when someone comes to you with a problem, try leading with questions. Tell me about the situation. What about it is frustrating? What's blocking it? What's challenging? Why does this problem exist? How have you tried approaching it thus far? Many people will talk themselves into a solution with just a little bit of guided questioning. And even if they don't, you're gathering all the relevant information which you can then use in your advisory role to offer them some ideas or solutions. It might feel strange to send someone back and say, go figure this out on your own. But sometimes people need a little bit of confidence to do that. Sometimes they need to know that they have your permission to tackle it on their own. So rather than taking on that monkey, rather than taking on the work yourself, play the coach that advisory role. Allow the person to figure some things out. Allow them to stretch and grow and sometimes make mistakes. Another dimension to putting your team first means recognizing that your team wins together and having real trust in your team. It's important to generate buy-in and empower people to be part of the work and not just to do the work that you've assigned. In what ways are you enabling people to set their own goals that cascade up to your goals or your team's goals? Can they develop the plans and figure out how their work gets done? Great managers are not prescriptive. They trust their team members to make good decisions and to run with them. Along the same lines, Sometimes you need to let people fail, but help them succeed in the long run. If you stop them before they get started, saying things like, oh, that won't work because of X, Y, or Z, or, oh, I tried that before. It doesn't work. It's not a good idea. They're never going to figure things out on their own. And maybe they know something that you don't. Maybe they have a skill or experience that will allow them to be successful with that approach, even though you weren't. So don't be naive about it and just let people run wild. But... Also, give them some space to figure things out for themselves. You can also use collaborative decision-making methods whenever possible. You do not need to own all the decisions. It is exhausting, it's infantilizing, and it's bureaucratic when you try to do that. Instead, push decisions into your team. One way that I did this was by going to fewer meetings. Now, I love meetings, so that wasn't always a fun thing for me to step out of meetings, but... There are many meetings that I just don't need to be in. I need to know what comes out of the meeting. So I ask whoever's leading the meeting to send me the decisions and next steps within 24 hours after the meeting has ended. And then I review them. And if there's anything that I disagreed with or anything I didn't understand, I could reach out immediately. So over the past couple of years, maybe one out of every 10 to 15 meetings that I have to reach out. And on some of those occasions, after talking to the meeting leader, I would come around to the decision that they made. I understood why that was the right decision. So push decisions down, hire good people, and cultivate them, and then empower them and trust them to do their best work. While we're on the topic of meetings, rockstar managers speak last in meetings. They make space for other people to share ideas. Even if you have a lot to say, start by being quiet and listening and asking questions. Offer the floor to your colleagues and ask for their opinions and ideas. When you talk first as a boss, you set the tone. And without even knowing it, without even intending it, you drive the conversation in a certain direction. Some people will not share ideas that contradict the boss because they're afraid to or they're uncomfortable. Other people will simply assume that there isn't room for discussion once the boss has spoken. 
There isn't the option of sharing new ideas because the boss has already put a stake in the ground. I hear from many managers that they want their teams to talk more openly in meetings. And part of that starts by you talking less and talking last, or at least talking much later in the meeting, after everyone else has had a chance to share. It's also important to give credit to your team members for their ideas. So towards the end of the meeting, point out who suggested the solution or influenced the decision that the group ultimately makes. Demonstrate that even if you're the one who makes the final decision, the input from the team was really valuable. And avoid dominating the conversation. Even if you're an extrovert and your natural state is to talk loudly with animation and to talk things through, there will be time for all of that. But hold back a bit. Make it a conversation, not a monologue. Too many leaders get into a room, they go on and on and on, and no one else really talks, and then the meeting's over. That is such a waste of time and a real lost opportunity to hear from the great ideas that your team members have. Lastly, putting your team first means that you are willing to be wrong. You are willing to change your opinion. It is more important to get to a great resolution or a great result than to be right. Your team doesn't expect you to be perfect or to have all the answers, but they do expect, or at least they hope that you'll listen with genuine curiosity and then evolve your thinking as you learn. I have met managers who fear that they won't be seen as smart or that they'll lose the respect of their team if they admit they don't know the right answer from the get-go. And that is just not true. You also need to accept feedback gracefully. Please, please ask your team members for feedback every time you have a one-on-one or you complete a project. I had a coaching client who I asked if she'd ever given her manager feedback, and she was completely shocked by the idea. Her manager had never once asked her for feedback, so why would she offer it up? If you don't ask, you are not going to get it. And even when you do ask, you're still likely to hear crickets. But on the occasion when you do get some feedback, be overly thankful and then figure out what to do about it. Decide later if you agree with it or if not and what it is that you're going to do to become a better manager and show this person that you do care and you appreciate the feedback that you got and you're going to invest in yourself. The other aspect is to be vulnerable and role model this. Apologize when you make a mistake. It happens. Acknowledge when you drop a ball. We are all human. And yes, you should have high standards for yourself and for your team. But the only way that you are truly going to serve your team the best is if you are willing to acknowledge your own shortcomings, your own areas of growth and stretch. So I know that was a lot to take in. To help you manage all of this information and implement all of this great stuff, you can download the mini guide for this episode for free at mamieks.com slash podcast dash zero one seven. And while you're there, you can subscribe to my newsletter and get every one of the free mini guides delivered to your inbox along with each week's episode and the blog article so that you never miss any of the great content. You can get the full guide that has reflection questions and approaches to help you put your team first when you join the Modern Manager community on Patreon. Again, that is at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash modern manager. And if you're listening and wishing you had someone to help you do all of this, drop me a line at mamie at mamieks.com. I would love to coach you and help you reach your full potential as a manager. All of those links are in the show notes as usual. Until next time. 
Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.